I was kind of curious uh, how long you all have been married. So I'm just going to ask a question. How many of you have been married 10 years or more? Just raise your hand. Sweet. Okay, how about uh, 20 years or more? Quite a few of you still. Oh, my goodness. See, we're all still learning if you haven't been married that long. <laughs> uh, how long have you guys been married? 49, that's awesome. Anybody married longer than that? Just come on that? up here and take over, would you? Yeah. Okay, the, wait, these guys have been married longer. What? Wow. We're going to a panel discussion right now. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's wonderful. That so wow. That's amazing. I mean, when we, we do conferences, and that's one of the questions that we ask is, is how long people have been married. And I, you know, 63, that's 49. That's awesome, you guys. What, what a legacy here for the church. So that's just so encouraging. Uh, you got a stool right behind oh, you. Oh, I do. Like, you have a stool. Yeah, I don't want you to have to stand. So, okay, thanks. Well, uh, we appreciate you guys uh, asking some questions. Oh, did we get a new one? Oh, we yes, got a new we did. One. Hot off the press. Awesome. <laughs> um, so the goal of our time this morning is to really just kind of uh, follow up on what we talked about yesterday. And obviously, it was a fire hose of information and an opportunity for you guys to just kind of absorb things, and even begin conversations. And we know those conversations are things that are going to continue for you all. So, well, and something else, uh, we just had half a day. We'd encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to go to a weekend to remember, find the time to do that, because it's so good when you have extended time, you're away from the kids and all the responsibilities, and you can really dive in a lot deeper than just, you know, half a day, and then you got to go back to real life, you know? So... We're glad that you're investing in your marriage. Yeah. So good. So what we got is uh, we now have 10 questions. Uh, I was doing my math as a, as a good organizer kind of person that I love to be. Um, so we're trying to, to monitor this because at, at the end, we want to do a little exercise with you guys, okay, and, and kind of activate something that actually was sort of talked about at the very end. Uh, the guy who's retiring, what's his name, Steve? Is it? Yeah, okay. I loved what he said. He said, you know, we just need to take time to listen. And, and we're going we're gonna to try doing a little activation of listening. Because um, sometimes I think we get the impression that we can't really hear God's voice. And I think that he's really, he wants to speak to us. Like Steve said, I think he's more anxious for us to hear than we are to actually hear what he's saying. I mean, anxious to, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. So anyway, uh, well, let's dive into some of these questions. And um, is it really good? I, I think it says we talked about all the arrows aimed at our marriage, right? Well, that was an, such an encouraging talk there. Uh, and our families, uh, the secret to, um, to combat those is the gospel and to live a spirit-filled life. And how do you center your marriage around the Holy Spirit and, and let, let it lead you, okay? Uh, and what does this look like on a daily basis? What are things that you physically do to make this happen? I love that question. And um, I, I think, first of all, just obviously... We come from a lot of different backgrounds. I, I don't know what everybody's understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. Honestly, I think in, in our evangelical world, we, we can tend to compartmentalize the Holy Spirit. We, we don't want this little guy getting out of control here, and so we, we tend to make sure that we don't. And I'm just speaking as an evangelical, okay? And, and right now, the Lord has been kind of expanding our circle in this area, and we've, we've really um, felt... Uh, the Lord's been doing a lot of leading and teaching us in, in what the Lord is, is doing through the Holy Spirit. So I, I love this question. Well, and with Crew, Dr. Bright, I don't know if you're familiar with Campus Crusade for Christ. That's who we work for. 
Dr. Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, and one of his big messages was the importance of walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does that look like? And I was raised in a Baptist church. That's where I came to know the Lord. But they never talked about the Holy Spirit, ever. And so, I mean, I'd hear Holy Spirit, and I'm thinking, what is that? You know, some spooky, you know, this... I had no understanding because it wasn't talked about. But uh, Dr. Bright had a passion for people to understand that the moment you ask Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you. So you have the power of the universe living inside of you. You know, the God of the angel armies is in you, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's not an it. He's part of the Trinity. He's a he. And uh, that's just was such a new revelation to me because I didn't understand who the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus and the Father, that's easy to comprehend. But the Holy Spirit is a whole new concept for us. And he was passionate about people understanding that you have this power source in you that is so great, and yet we neglect it. And uh, he talked about this one man who had this property out in Texas, I think, and uh, he was poor. I mean, things were bad. This is a true story. He was barely able to eat, and he was going to have to sell his land. Well, some oil people came out to the property and said, we want to survey your land and see if there's some oil here. And he's like, well, sure, go ahead. And they found the mother load. There was so much oil there. The guy was wealthy beyond his imagination, and he didn't know it because he didn't know that source was there. And it's the same with us as believers. We don't understand, we don't know we have the source of power in us, available to us, the moment we ask Jesus into our, our life. But the problem is we don't always let him have control. We want to control, and that's been my issue. You know, I talked to you guys about that a little bit yesterday. Um, but he's the one that gives us the power, and we have to go to him to give him over control. And this is so important in your marriage, too, because... A lot of times we try to figure things out or we let the tyranny of the urgent take over and we don't sit back and say, okay, Holy Spirit, take control. Show me what to do. We have this power source to help us in our marriage. And I mean, we even neglect it at times because we get so busy and we forget. But yeah, I, I just wanted to share, I mean, Dr. Bright talked about two really important concepts. He talked about a command and a promise. And the command is in Ephesians 5.18, which basically says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, right? So it's an actual command. This isn't like an optional, if you feel like it, be filled with the Spirit, but it's an actual command. And so then he paired that with a promise in 1 John 5.14 and 15 that said that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that we have the request we've asked from him. And so he said, it's pretty obvious he wants us to be filled so we can ask with confidence and know that if we say, Father, fill me, he's going to do that. He's going to respond to that. that. That resonates with his heart. And so that's kind of where that concept of spiritual breathing enters into our own life. And, and we say, you know what, Lord, this is, this is something you desire for us. You, 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 you said it's a command. And so what does that look like for us on a daily basis? Um, I think that honestly for us, even in the past five, six years, the Lord has taken us to school on just the importance of daily connecting with him. And uh, we had somebody challenge us uh, at a conference that said, you know what, I dare you to do this. I dare you to take time to read 10 chapters of the New Testament a day. And we were like, 
Ooh, that's a lot of time commitment. He said, do it for a month, and you'll read through the entire New Testament in one month. And then he said, put, put it on repeat every month. Read through the New Testament for a year. And so we thought, man, that's going to be lifestyle change for us, you know. But we thought, well, all right, we're, we're childless, so that, that actually helped us a lot. Our kids were old enough, and they were out of the house at the time. So, so, so this is that. not to put, like, a load on you and say, thou must read 10 chapters a day. But it's it, our story. Our story here. So, okay, so we, 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 dove, we dove in, and we did that. And it was just reading for the sake of enjoying it. It wasn't like I was reading it to dive in deep and try and, you know, well, and it was hard, you know, because we were having to get up earlier uh, to find time to do that, and there would be a lot of holy naps involved. <laughs> if you know what I mean, you're reading the Bible, it's like, oh, oh i got to get back to reading. Jesus, how we just stay awake? But, you know, I think that the Father just loves that you have the heart to be in his presence. Even if you fall asleep, if you're taking the time to get up and do that, you know, I think it pleases him that you want to be with him. But what happened for us, you guys, is it just, it became joy. I looked forward to it, and I was, I actually was disappointed when the time ended. And, and so in one year, we read through the New Testament 12 times, and it rocked our world. It just rocked our world. And we read different translations, you know, tried to mix it up a little bit, but it was just so refreshing and so fun. And, and you know, I, again... What does that do for our heart? It connected us to the Holy Spirit. We, we suddenly saw our minds, you know, it's like Paul said, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's really what began to happen. As we, as we read his word and allowed it to just kind of wash over us and we, we soaked in it, it began to change our thinking and our mindset. And as we walked through the day, this idea of walking in the spirit became more real to us. And, and it was just cool. So I, I don't know, that's a long answer to a question. Um, and so physically, what we did to make it happen is we had to get up stinking early. And we just had to, and that meant going to bed early at night, too. And so those are some things that just processed us, and it was good. Um, a kind of a follow-up, do you pray together as a couple? Jules, do we? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, and again, look, we've been following Jesus for, oh, my goodness. I came to know the Lord when I was 11, and, and so I'm 61 now, so it's been a lot of years. Um, but it hasn't been until just recently where the Lord has kicked our little booties in this area of praying together. And uh, Well, yeah, it all kind of started, I mean, we prayed together, but not consistently for long periods of time. Uh, when I started dealing with all this anxiety and depression, that's when we really got on our knees, you know, because I was desperate. It's like, oh, I can't, I'm just, I need you to pray. And so... He just, I mean, there were times he would spend hours just praying over me, reading scripture over me. Dang it. <laughs> uh, but it was, it, it changed our prayer life. And to now we just, we're desperate for him and we can't make it through a day without coming into his presence and just praying and asking him to lead us and guide us. And It's good. Yeah. And for us, the way it practically looks is it's in the, it's in the morning. We have a lot of awesome times praying even before we get out of bed. And uh, it's just like we, we feel that need. We wake up, and, and it's like Bill Bright used to always say, the first thing I do when I wake up is, is kneel by my bed. And I was like, really? I mean, that's – but all of a sudden – No, I thought that was cool. Yeah, but, I, it was cool. It was but we like, weren't doing it. <laughs> we weren't doing it, yeah. So, But all of a sudden, the Lord put us in a position where we had to do that. 
And it was so good. It was so good. So I just encourage you guys, you know, it doesn't have to be hours at a time. Five minutes. Start with five minutes, you know. You can do that. And maybe it is kneeling by your bed first thing in the morning. But just pray for each other, you know. Guys, pray for your wives and just say, man, I want to bless my girl. And I want to just thank you that what she's going to do today with our kids or whatever. And that you walk with us. You care for us. God, we don't know what to do with our kids right now. We don't know what, we, you know, we're, we're needing a job right now, whatever it is. Uh, you know, you can do that. Just love on them and feel loved by him and, and encourage one another in prayer. It's, it's beautiful. And five minutes will, will quickly turn into more than five minutes. So, all right. Great question. And there are resources out there. I'm sure if you just go on Amazon or the Christian bookstore on how to pray for each other, how to pray together, if you don't know what to do, there's lots of information out there. There's a really good one in Family Life's website called Two Hearts Praying as One. It's a little teeny book, and it's like super attainable, and it's got like two pages per day kind of thing. And so it gives you things to pray for. If you're like, I- I've never really done this, or it's just awkward, we've never done it, it's a great way to start. So Two Hearts Praying as One is a great book that we recommend. Uh, okay, question. What are some tangible practices of forgiveness to begin the process of forgiveness? Uh, great question. Um, and I think, again, we talked about that yesterday, the importance, you know, as you're closing the loop, right, you, you need to get into the loving confrontation area, but then forgiveness is that essential step before you're able to fully reconcile with each other. And so what does it look like, tangible practices? I think, uh, we were just writing down some notes on this, but the idea of keeping short accounts with each other. You know, if there's something that comes up between you and your spouse it's easy to just kind of swallow it. I don't, I don't know how you guys deal with that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just easy to kind of, I don't have time to deal with this. I don't, I don't want to mess with this. Uh, but keeping short accounts. And, and it might mean, <laughs> these are dreaded words to say, um, hey, do you mind, can we just talk for a second? You know, that, that kind of thing. And, and That puts fear into man's heart. Yes. <laughs> can we just talk for a minute? <laughs> no, don't make me do that. Um, but, but. Reorient your thinking on that to say, oh, wow, okay, this is an opportunity for us to learn and to grow. And because I realize that this person wants the best for me, and, and her heart for me is to be more like Jesus, and so if she says something like that to me, um, I, I want to respond. And it's hard. You, know, you guys know the difference between reacting and responding, right? It's like about three seconds. <laughs> Reacting is the knee jerk. No, I don't want to talk. You know, uh, but responding is 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 taking that that breath and just saying, "Okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say through my bride? What do you want to say through my through my husband?" You know, and and if you view it that way and say, "Holy Spirit, you 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 brought this person in my life for a reason, and I want to I want to hear, I want to grow, I want to know." Um, so short accounts. Don't don't let stuff pile up, you know, and and get to the point. And this is I'm a classic stuffer. Any stuffers in the crowd, right? It's just easy to do that because you, you don't want to deal with it, and so you just kind of compartmentalize it. You stuff it, and then unfortunately, what happens with that? You guys know what happens is it builds up, it builds up, and then you kind of blow, and it's like the stupidest thing that causes it to blow, and it's like what was that all about? But you just kind of lay it on them. So not cool. Well, I think, too, you've got to really pray about, is this really that big of a deal? You know, because sometimes we can bring up things that aren't really that big of a deal, and it causes more uh, 
what's the word, disunity, then it would have helped if you just had, you know, not said anything. <laughs> so there is some discernment in there that, uh, again, just praying and asking the Father, is this something important? You know, is this something that I need to deal with? And how can I do this in a loving way where they don't feel attacked? You know, because that's not the goal. The goal is unity, right? We want to be reconciled. And so, you know, if it's something that you just need to deal with and you just need to pray about how do I approach this? And, uh, yeah, again, just walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and asking him to speak through you, really prepare your heart before you're confronting and doing in love, you know, and that's where the taking the time to pray about it is so important because it's easy to react, you know, I can tend to do that. Um, the other day we were at Chick-fil-A. Okay, Bruce is sometimes not very observant about things or he just doesn't think, to, Not it's not a bad thing, you know, but we never get sugar in our tea. We don't get sweet tea. We buy the unsweetened tea. And I've started bringing along monk fruit to put in there because I'm trying to get away from the uh, the, the, sacri- the diet stuff. And uh, I was in the middle of having to answer a text. And the girl came over with the teas. And she said, oh, this one's sweet. I didn't hear her say that. And so I'm taking off the lids and putting this stuff in. And he heard her say it, but he didn't say anything to me. So I take a sip. And it was like, oh, my goodness, this was sweet tea. He's like, yeah, it was sweet tea. And I'm like, why didn't you say something? You know I don't like sweet tea. <laughs> what were you thinking? And, mm-hmm. and I don't know what he was thinking, but... <laughs> but I kind of... Oh, she must have ordered sweet tea. And I'm like, oh, that Why would different. I ever... I've why never done do that. that. <laughs> never do that. So, stupid. But little things like that, you know, how do you respond and react to that? And, you know, on the inside, I'm like... I was mad that he didn't say something because he knew that I didn't like sweet tea, and he watched me put that sweetener in that sweet tea. You know? This happened last <laughs> night, too. I mean, we've got this, these supplements that we're taking, and she had set the ones out, and, and I, I, I took mine, and hers were still sitting there. She was in bed. And I was I, tired. I went to bed. I forgot I, to take I them. I didn't even say anything to her, like, hey, you know, you didn't take your stuff last night? And it's like, no, I just went to bed. So, like, this morning... <laughs> The pile of pills are still sitting there. (laughs) So guilty as charged. Okay. Uh, I think it's just a lot on our minds right now, and sometimes things just kind of... So I didn't get mad at that. It's like, okay. (laughs) But but you guys know how that is? Little things just kind of set things off, and it's like we've talked about this for years, and still the same response, and... (laughs) And then you just have to overlook those things because is it really that important, you know? Is that that big of a deal? A friend of ours um, who's a communication doctorate, I mean, he's got his deal on this, uh, writes lots of books. He said uh, a kind of a, a litmus test you can say is what's the communication climate in your marriage relationship? You know, do you have a good, basically a good relationship? Because that tends to allow you to get into the overlook category a little bit more frequently because you you can extend the benefit of the doubt to your spouse and say well you know I, I know he's basically a, a a decent guy who's not trying to maliciously attack me or anything but but if the relational climate in your marriage is is more stressed and it's more strained then you might need to just address more of those things because otherwise again it gets in there and it adds to the the stuff that you you accumulate so i hope that makes sense but the the, the overlooking it's what does the proverb say? It's to your glory to overlook an offense. I mean, that's that's a glorious thing. It's, if it's, it's a minor thing like the sweet tea, you know, yeah. it's not a life 
life-threatening yeah. decision or mistake, you know? Yeah. So anyway, all right, we better move on. We got lots of things here. Uh, since you and Julie have three boys, how did you balance quality time spent with your husband when they were little? And that was addressed to Julie, so. Oh, is that addressed to me? This is Julie oh, right okay. there. So. <laughs> well, let's just say we could have done better at that. We didn't have any family around, so we had no help at all. And that was so hard because we couldn't just drop off the kids at mom and dad's, you know. And uh, I homeschooled all the boys, and we were in full-time ministry, so we are traveling a lot. We did take this parenting class that helped, and one thing that they recommended was having this thing called couch time. So you tell the kids, this is time for mom and dad. You can't talk to us. You know, go play your games and all that. We're spending time and making that a priority and making sure you do that. And we would do that. We spend a lot of time talking and, and all of that. When they're younger, it's kind of harder to do. But if you've established some things with your kids when they're babies, like our first son, we didn't know about the playpen. We thought, oh, that's so antiquated, the playpen. But now it's like playpen is genius. You know, if you haven't used a playpen, it's a great thing when they're little to get them used to being in that area and focusing for one instead of having all of this area to look at. You know, if they're just in a playpen, you give them a few things. That way, if you need to go take a shower and they're used to being in the playpen, you can put them in the playpen and not be like, oh, my gosh, I can't take a shower. My kid's following me around. and They're going to get hurt and all the stress that's involved in that. So playpens are genius. Definitely take advantage of those. Um, that helps with the time later. As they get older, they're used to this is time when I'm spending by myself. You know, you could put up a gate when they get to that toddler stage and say, room time. Oh, isn't this awesome? Make a big deal out of it and a positive thing so that you can have some of that time to yourself. Because otherwise, if they're just running around, they have no limits or boundaries, then you're going to get caught up in the chaos and not have any kind of uh, control over things. So the, princi the principle on that was, uh, and this is actually one of the affairs we kind of alluded to yesterday, called the family affair, where the kids become the center of the universe, and they really dictate the schedule in your life. And, and really what God is saying is, no, the priority relationship is your husband-wife relationship. And the kids are welcome additions to that, but they're not the thing that should be run in the house. They're not the center of the universe. And so as you, as you especially in those early stages, I mean, the, the goal, the heart is to cultivate that mentality that no mom and dad are the priority here. We're, we're going out on dates because we love you. <laughs> You know, we use that with our boys. It's like, hey, we're going out on a date, and you're not coming. And, you know, uh, because we need that connection time. We need that uh, ability because otherwise... Well, and here's another idea on that as far as going out on dates because sometimes when you're younger parents, you just don't have a whole lot of money. But if you can have some other friends your age that you guys can switch off, you know, you take care of their kids while they go on a date and vice versa, and even if it's just something cheap, you need some time to just get away and just be you, so. Yeah, so there you go, little nuggets, life lessons, things that we wish we'd have done better. <laughs> okay, what are some ways to connect parents with the leave part? They say they understand, but actions don't always follow through, okay? So it's, it's we talked yesterday, if you weren't here, that the threefold plan is to leave to cleave to one another and then to weave and establish intimacy with each other. And the importance of the whole leave thing, if you don't leave well, it doesn't set up the remaining two components of the plan well. 
And so I think what they're saying here is that we got some parents who are not exactly helping us leave well. Um, it, it, it's a really good thing. Um, we were talking about that this morning because, again, I, I didn't do such a hot job on this. I, I admitted that yesterday. Um, but it's good, I think, to affirm your parents. You know, it's, it's part of the honor side of the equation. You know, we talked about honor and yet make this the priority. Honor your parents and just find those times to just say, you know what, I so appreciate all that you've done in my life. And I, I value the things that you've contributed, the ways that you've invested in us. And, um, but here's, here's where we're at. In, in desiring to set up our own household, we just feel like we need to talk through some boundaries, you know, because we do. We want to establish our own traditions. We want to establish our own household. And, and while we know your intent is to, to love us well and maybe even spare us from some of the stupid, well, I wouldn't say stupid, but some of the, the things that you encountered, right? Yeah, because I think that's, that's our heart as we're watching our kids in this stage. We're trying to let them leave without being the pesky involved parents. But man, it's hard. This is the harder part of parenting, to be honest with you, man. It's when you, they turn loose and they start doing stupid stuff and you're like, we know where that's gonna go. You know, can we just offer you some? It's hard. It's really hard to not get your little hand in there and say, here, let me fix your problems. Um, so these are the conversations though, as, as a new couple, as a new household, you wanna have with your parents. And, and so there's that honor, it's speaking the truth in, in love. But, but also just saying, we, we really desire to, you know, like for holidays or something like that, the expectation is you're going to be here for Christmas, right? You've always, well, our family always gets together at Christmas time. And, 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 and so you can say, well, mom and dad, we love that. But this year, we want to set up our own Christmas. We'd like to establish some traditions with our own family. We still love you and we'll still be coming, you know, but this year we want to do it different for our, you know. So I'm just saying conversations need to happen. Any other thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so, in trying to leave a legacy for our kids, we have a very blended family, and we, we're trying to reconcile a past that's filled with poor decisions, right? Um, now we're living our lives through Christ, our grown children see that now, and so we were having a conversation with this amazing couple yesterday, and it's just, it's the heart of saying, you know what, we, we made a lot of mistakes in our past, and our kids have watched all the crapola that we've done, and, and, but God's turning a whole new path for us now, but how do we deal with all the stuff in the past? And I, I love that. And I think some of the thoughts that just came to my mind, um, and I, I will say this too to couples, like, like a, a, a husband will come up to me and say, I've made such a mess of our marriage relationship, I don't even know where to start. And I said, well, for, for one, humbly go to your spouse. Humbly go to your kids and just say, you know what? I need to confess to you that I blew it. Uh, in a lot of areas, I blew a lot of things. And I know that I didn't model well for you. I didn't love your mom or whatever. I didn't love your, your husband, your husband, your dad. Um, you know, it, just own up to what you did and just... And be specific and say, here's some things. I mean, we're, we're talking about this even now with some of our kids. Um, some of the things that we did, uh, even with our oldest son, who struggled with a lot of things in his teenage years. And, and we made some pretty tough decisions that dramatically affected his life. 
And now we're looking back with eyes of wisdom and saying, oh, man, we didn't, we didn't exactly do the best thing there. We had good intentions, but they weren't always the best, in, you know, in the end. And so, yeah, we need to, we've talked to him a little bit about that, but there are more things that we need to just go and say, you know, we're so sorry. We made a mistake. We, we hurt you. And, um, yeah. I think that's definitely the good place to start. Because even if you have a good Christian marriage, I mean, we had the best intentions, you know, and we still make mistakes. You know, there are no perfect parents out there anywhere. We all blow it. Would you guys all agree you've blown it once or twice with your kids? You've made bad decisions and you look back. You had a great intentions, but now it's like, why did I do that? But the great thing is that God is bigger than our mistakes. And I mean, I look at my own life and how dysfunctional my family was, and yet God has used me in ministry, and he's turned my life around, and if he could use my parents' mistakes and, you know, go beyond that to make me who I am, then he can certainly do that for us, too, with our kids. So I was, I was even thinking this morning in service about this particular question, and, and the Lord brought me to Philippians 3, which is something we actually were praying over each other this morning, um, where here's Paul, who obviously had a great lineage, and he kind of bragged, in a sense, bragged about it, right? He said, well, I'm the Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm, you know, I'm a Benjamite and all this kind of stuff. He, but he says, I consider all that stuff rubbish. But then he kind of owned up to some of the things that he totally screwed up in, too. I was a persecutor of the church. I'm the least of the apostles, all these things. And so here, here's his words. He says, I don't, you know, I, I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. You know, um, I love that heart because here's the guy who wrote half the New Testament owning up to the fact that, that he screwed up and that even his credentials and the things that he did well don't matter. But he's saying, I'm, I'm laying behind the past and I'm pressing forward. And I think that's a, a posture you can take with your kids, too, and say, you know what, we, we've blown it and we've made a mess of things. But, but I want to tell you, we want to see the Lord do a new thing in our heart. And we want to change our relationship even with you. We want to serve you. We want to love you. We want to encourage you. We want to bless you. So I, I think that there's, there's so much value in that, in owning up to what you screwed up realizing it had an impact on them and, and that now the Lord is changing your, your, your direction, your heart, and, and you want to now also redeem what the locusts have eaten, right? Um, I, I think that that's just, I think that's the Lord. He's a redeemer of that kind of stuff. Oh, dear. Okay. <clears throat> uh, how do you emotionally care for each other's hearts? That's a good one. Um, Julie just is like, well, I think speak each other's love language, right? Have you guys read that book by the five love languages? I mean, it, it's a read that you need to do. I mean, again, we didn't find that book until 10 years into our marriage, but I realized for 10 years I wasn't even remotely speaking my wife's love language. And I was kind of thinking she was the same as I was. When I found out that encouraging words was her love language, I realized, I, yeah, 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 I don't even know what that means. I don't know how to do that. And I'm still not doing it very well. Um, you know, I mean, God bless her. She's putting up with a lot of stuff. But, 
but like mine's physical touch and, and, and closeness, you know, so that, that's how I like to express love. That's how I like to receive love. And, and she has been amazing. You know, she's been so gracious and kind and speaking my love language. And I'm, man, I'm still in like encouragement 101, I think, you know, just learning how to do this. But I, I think that that would be a great place to start. If, if you're desiring to meet your spouse's emotional needs, learn how to speak and, well, find out, first of all, what their love language is and then learn how to speak it. Um, and, and his book is so good. So I, I think that's a, that's a great one. Okay. Oh, another good thing. <laughs> Ask them. How about that one? Hey, honey, uh, how can I love you better? You know, there's, there's a date night question for you. you know? Yeah, what can I do that would make you feel loved? Right. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's been telling me, I would love it if you just come into my business and help me organize things, you know, because she's just feeling like she's scattered all over the place. And so He's organizing. I am not. I am not. I try to be. So anyway... <laughs> There you go. Just some, some nuggets here. Uh, how do you close confrontation when you can't reach common ground? And this is in the context of it looks like some difficult situations with their kids, uh, you know, where you just you don't agree on how to proceed. Uh, we looked at that one and said, well, that's tough to just kind of give general principles on without knowing more of the situation. Um, but... I think questions that would probably need to be asked are who's the main caretaker in that particular situation? Who's the one who's, who's really having to sacrifice the most? And I think that that person becomes immediately the person that needs to voice, uh, you know, the primary thoughts of what's going on because you're dealing with that situation day in, day out. And so that, in my mind, would carry more weight. Um, and so whatever they're feeling needs to be validated, and, and then you need to come alongside and say, okay, what do you sense the Spirit saying? How do we proceed? And maybe this is an opportunity for you guys to both get on your knees and say, Lord, we're, we're at an impasse here. We don't know what to do with this, but God, you're not at an impasse. And I there was somebody who came up to me yesterday and said, this is a great principle, by the way. The Spirit of Jesus lives in her. The Spirit of Jesus lives in me. And guess what? That Spirit's unified. What's not unified when we don't agree? Well, it's, it's her and me. And so we need to get our hearts in alignment with the one who is aligned. And so I think that that's probably where I would encourage you guys to go, to hit your knees together and say, Jesus, we don't know what to do. And we're just going to take some time to listen. And would you speak to us individually and let's come together and see what you say. And guys, this is one of our activations we want to do. Uh, we want to just do something crazy and say, let's just take a few minutes and listen and say, ask the question, Jesus, what do you say about my spouse? Okay, we're going to do that before we leave. Uh, but So I'm, I'm going to leave this one. I, that, that's a hard one to answer. When you're at an impasse, my best suggestion is hit your knees together and say, Spirit of God who is unified, help us to come to unity together. Um, but in a situation like that one particularly, I would, I would put some weight on the person who's big time involved in that so all right these last two kind of go together and this is a <laughs> this is a tough we get one. this one a lot these days surprisingly how do you love those in a same-sex marriage and relationship and how should christian parents relate to a mature child who's openly gay but very active in a local evangelical church 
So guys, this is the day and age in which we live. Um, and unfortunately, the culture, the education system, the media, everything is kind of against us. And to have a value that's biblical that says, well, you know, you know you're free to love who you want to love, but the reality is there's some pretty black and white scriptural admonitions on this. Um, how do you do that? How do you navigate that? And, what, and frankly, what, what does Grace Community Church do when individuals of that mindset, that persuasion, come in your midst? We're wrestling with this in our own church back in Indiana right now because we're really sensing that God is, is setting the table for a lot of these kinds of people to come into our fellowship. And we're having to ask hard questions. And, and this is difficult. And especially if your kid is one of them. Um, so, no easy answers on this. I, I think um, I, I'm going to refer you to two things real quick. Um, there, there's one guy named Sam Alberry. You might want to write his name down. He's written a book, Is God Anti-Gay? It's a short book. It's about 83 pages long, uh, but it is one of the most succinct, well-written, uncompromising, yet loving discussions of that topic that, that I think we've, we've run across. He spoke to our staff conference a number of years ago with Campus Crusade, and it was just so refreshing. And so I, I, I'm just going to have to say there's no way in, in five minutes we can, we can answer a question of that magnitude. Uh, but Sam Alberry's Is God Anti-Gay is a great read. Another person that we had the privilege of hearing from was a guy named Cy Rogers. Uh, who used to be part of Exodus International, which was the organization that was kind of helping people get out of that lifestyle. Of that lifestyle. Um, but he has since resigned from that. Uh, he's, you know, he's kind of adopted some new philosophies, n not philosophies, but, but just kind of some new perspectives on it. But again, I was just reading over his website last night in kind of preparation for this. And, and there's some really profound wisdom because he's, 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 he's an ex-gay who's come out, Sam Albury is an ex-gay who's, who's transitioned out. And um, very profound things to say about it. And there's an empathy. Yeah, how people reached to them, you know, and it was all about love, loving them, not preaching at them. Because we all know what the Bible says about that lifestyle, right? We would all agree that that's not God's plan. But how do you deal with this as a parent? Because you don't want to push your kids away. But then you don't want them to think that you're okay with their choices and their lifestyle because you know it's not God's plan. It's not his best for them. But uh, there's a couple that speaks with us with family life, and their daughter got into the gay lifestyle to a point where she is an advocate and a spokesperson for the gay marriage movement in Florida. I mean, talk about spiritual attack on marriage. Here they are talking about biblical marriage and what that looks like, and their own daughter is, is fighting it, you know? And uh, what they have done is they have just loved her. They've loved on her girlfriend, who is now gone. Um, they, the daughter knows where they stand. They haven't compromised their beliefs, but they don't bring it up, you know, because the kids know what they think. And so they're, they're winning their daughter over through loving her in spite of her choices. Because you don't want to push your kids away. When you do that, you make it even worse, you know. You're not going to help the situation. You're going to cut off your relationship with your kids, which you don't want to do. And if you have other kids and they're watching that, then it messes up everybody. So my encouragement is just to love them unconditionally. 
Uh, I would definitely look up some of these uh, people just to get ideas on how do you do this? How do you pray for them? How do you, um, I mean, praying for like the Sai, he had a group of men come around him and just speak life into him, speak destiny into him, and it changed his life. It did. They didn't condemn him. They didn't give him any roles at the church, but they loved on him, and they listened to what he had to say. And So just, just a nugget on this. I mean, I took some notes on this, but, but he said that God is, a rep, God is defining, the defining illustration of what love is, right? And love equates to value. And so these people who are in this lifestyle have great value. And, and so he had three areas that he said he walked into this church. They did three things really well. The first thing was acceptance. And it was basically saying, you are so valuable, I'll take you like you are. Okay? It's, it's saying God cares about you, so who am I to not care about you? You are so valuable. But they also had accountability, which said, you are so valuable, I won't leave you as you are. I will groom and guide and grow you forward. And so what they did is they took him into a group of men who showed him what men are like and because he had a warped pr- perspective of who men were. And they began to love on him and show him what masculinity looks like. So it was acceptance, accountability, and then affirmation. You are so valuable, I will prove it to you by the way I treat you. And so they didn't ostracize him. They didn't bel- belittle him. They didn't, you know, whatever but they loved on him in such a way. But he said, they, they cared for me, and they, they showed me how much God valued me, and that opened my heart to receive what God's word had to say about this. So I don't know. You know, this is what you want to do with your kids, too. You know, you don't want to push them away, like Jill said. So anyway. Oh, man, we could do a whole lot of stuff on that topic. But that's why I have to refer you to people who, who can speak to it more eloquently than we can. But I appreciate you guys. Well, we just had one more question that I got at the end here. It says, I was glad to hear you openly acknowledge your family's challenges with mental health issues. How are you able to deal with those? Our family has experienced those too. Um, It's been hard. (laughs) It's not easy dealing with family members that have mental, mental illness. My mom and my brother both had that. And my mom didn't raise me, like I said, but... There was a point that we're the only family they had. There was nobody else that could help. And um, they were living in Amarillo, Texas, and they would call us and say, we don't have any money, we don't have any food. And like at a certain point, it's like, we got to help them. And so we moved them up to Indiana not, and not to live with us because <laughs> we had that happen with my grandmother. We didn't ever want to do that again. Um, not that that's not possible if you have good relationships with your family members, but uh, with their illness, there was no way. And uh, it, was, it was hard. It was really hard for me because of how I grew up uh, with my mom not really being in the picture. And then she was in, in, in our lives now, and then she would act like she had been my mom. And I would just be like, you were never my mom. Why are you acting like you had this influence on me? You know, and uh, when I'd see her phone number coming up on the phone, it's like, oh, I don't want to answer the phone. Oh, Jesus, help me. And Bruce was the calming, calm in the storm, you know, because he was so laid back. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what I would have done without him standing in the gap, you know, helping through all of that. Um, but it, a lot of prayer 
And again, just saying, God, help me to see my mom the way you see her. How do you feel about her? How do you see her? When I'd see that phone ring, it's like, Holy Spirit, take control. I can't do this. I need, and there's that power source again. When you're feeling those feelings of, boy, what do I do? Ask for his power. And just before, I mean, a few years before she died, I actually felt a love for her that I didn't have before. And when I'd see her, I didn't feel that. It was like, oh, bless her heart. You know, it wasn't her fault, the things that she did as a parent. She couldn't help that. And being able to forgive her and, and the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but yeah, I think it's you hard. Need, you need boundaries with that kind of thing, too. I mean, having them live with us would have destroyed our marriage, I think. And so we just had to say, this is something we can't do, but w- here's what we can do. And, and we found the assisted living facilities. And we go, like r- with Mark, Chili's brother, well, Mark, we visit him once a week. We take him out to lunch and go help him buy stuff that he needs. And, and we, just, we just love on him, you know. And, and there's a limit to what you can do, you know. You, this is boundaries, again. You've got to have boundaries in your relationship. But do what you can. And I, I think there's no <laughs> substitute for prayer or praying for them and saying, Holy Spirit, can you do a work? Can you do a miracle? And just ask. I mean, talk about gifts of miracles, right? Like, why not pray for a miracle? Why don't you just pray for a breakthrough and ask the Lord to do something that only he could do? He gets glory. So anyway. All right, guys, we're, we're, we're officially out of time. Um, but the activation we wanted to do with you, and I'm just, this is homework. Okay, we're in, we're in homework mode now. Um, I'm going to invite you to do this. Uh, find some time where maybe you can just take Let's start with 10 minutes, okay? Now, 10 minutes is going to seem like eternity to do this exercise. But I want you to just sit together and be still and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit in me, what do you see when you look at my spouse? And just allow him to speak to your heart. What do you see when you see Julie? (laughs) Uh, Have a piece of paper. Yeah. And a pencil, so you can write down what comes to your mind. You may not be used to sitting and listening to the Lord, and you may think, oh, that was just me. But you know what? If it's positive, then it's good. Write it down. And, you know, at the end, say it. And I think you even need to say this about yourself, because I think a lot of us uh, deal with a lot of shame and guilt from things that we've done in the past, and we have this a very distorted picture of the way the Father sees us. In fact, I would be tempted to ask that first. How do you see me? Father, how do you see me? What do you think about me? And anything that's negative, that's a lie from the enemy, and you need to come against that and say, no, that is not from God. That's a lie. If he's saying you're a loser, you've screwed up, you've messed up, that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. The positive, the encouraging, he's a good father, And he loves you, and he wants more for you than you want for your own kids. You know, imagine the best father ever. What would he do? What would he say to his kids? And that's what he's saying to you. So so I'd start with yourself. There you go. I'd start with yourself. I've been officially trumped in my assignment (laughs) for you, but that means you might need 20 minutes. Okay. (laughs) But but just seriously, have something and write it down. And even if it's the most obscure thought, write it down. It doesn't matter. Give God 
carte blanche because you're learning how to do this, right? Julie and I are learning how to do this. We've never really done listening prayer either very effectively, and and so it's it's an exercise. And, and yeah, you might make. Some and I tell you, you know, you I know you can hear him. You may think you can't, but have you ever been in a situation where you felt like the father was saying, "Go talk to that person"? Have you ever had that happen? Any of you? Where do you think that came from? That came from the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So you can hear his voice. You just need to be still and listen. Case in point, this morning I was praying over my wife, and she just said, would you pray some scripture over me this morning? I'm just feeling that need. And immediately Psalm 32 came to my mind, okay? And I I was thinking, okay, I I, I mean, I know that psalm, but okay, Lord, I'm just going to go there. And, And as I read through it, it's like, dang, this is exactly what we needed to hear. And so it's like, okay, Lord, you speak to me, and I, I sometimes just blow it off like, oh, that was just some random stupid thought. No. Learn and train your ear to discern when he's speaking to you. Uh, and this is part of walking in the Spirit, right? The more that you learn and, and the more that you obey what he tells you to do, the more it's going to happen. So, uh, Yeah, as long as it doesn't go against the scriptures, you know, you can, you can hear his voice. You can. My sheep hear my voice, right? John 10. Great, great passage to meditate on in that. In fact, that might be a good read before you do the listening exercise. So can I pr- pray for you guys? And then we'll, we'll roll out of here. So Father, thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing here at Grace Community thank Church. Uh, Lord, this, this body is beautiful to you, and you love them. And God, they are a lighthouse here in Newton, Kansas, in the center of the country. Uh, they are a beacon of light. And so, Father, we want to come against all attacks from the enemy. We want to ask that you would bring this fellowship under the shelter of your wing and these amazing couples, Lord. As even as we looked at yesterday, they are at the center of the target. And it ripples out through the entire church. So, Lord, I want to pray for your protection over each one of these couples this morning. Holy Spirit, would you just set up a, a fiery wall around them? And would you speak clearly to their hearts, Lord, as they do this exercise and just take 10, 20 minutes to listen, would you would you just surprise them? Would you would you just uh, let them enjoy that time and say, "Wow, I want to do this more." We want to hear you more, Father, and, and we want to be like like Paul, who said, "This one thing I'm focusing on. I, I want to know God. I want to know the fullness of the Godhead." Uh, that was David's one thing too, Lord. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, help us to have that passion, to help have that hunger, and so I, I just. Declare over this body, Lord, that you are going to do a mighty work. Holy Spirit, unleash in Grace Community Church. And do uh, something that even we, no eye could see, no ear could hear, no, no mind could imagine what you're going to do here. So we thank you. We bless him. And, uh, yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Thanks so much.